faith. Humbling ourselves to you Lord that we might receive your word. The engrafted word that's able to save our souls. We bless you. We thank you. And we praise you for this opportunity before you today Lord in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. We're going to talk about the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. And uh, get a clear understanding of what it means to be called by God. And what we're called, what we're called to, and what we're called out of and into. Uh, so we, we need to discuss this because many times when you talk about call of God, people automatically assume to fivefold ministry. Uh, but this is not true. I remember when my mother, when we were kids, my mother would call us to herself. If she called your name, that meant you better show up and show up as quickly as you could. Um, she didn't, uh, if you delayed responding to her voice and, and being obedient to come to her, uh, then you, you know, suffered a little bit for that. You know, you, she didn't like excuses either. And good parents don't like excuses. They like obedience. Uh, the Bible says it's obedience. It's 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 preferred over sacrifice you got me sacrifice is the excuse right (laughs) it's what you give it's what you give up in the place of obedience but God prefers obedience that's why the sacrifice was done away with the continual making excuses for disobedience that's really what that represented and that's why he said sacrifices and offerings I, I'm, I'm done with you know I've had enough of that because it doesn't really mean anything what he really wants is a response to his call when he calls he wants a response just like your parents want a response because they want something somebody calls you they want something to do with you and so we need to understand what God wants to do with us why he calls us and what he we're called to so in Ephesians chapter 1 we see a familiar prayer and uh, I know we have prayed this prayer in the ministry forever uh, we pray it continually uh, over the body of Christ and over uh, God's people Because the Apostle Paul uh, talked about this being a continual prayer that he prayed. Amen. In verse 16 he says I cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayer. So he said I pray continually. I cease not to do this for you. And I do it continually making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he prayed. He said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give unto you. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So there are are some releases that come with this prayer. That you have to be granted something. You have to be graced with this. This is a free gift of God. This is an impartation that he puts into your life that will help you in a certain way. And he said the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So this is something that God imparts to you that you might know him better. Not man, not people, not denominational stuff. But to know God 
This is a personal thing. I like the way Paul wrote because you got an impression from him that he knew some things that the run of the mill Christian didn't know because he got it firsthand. He would say many times, he says, I came up by revelation. In other words, he'd just pop up and show up on people. He said, I need your invitation. I came up by revelation. God told me to do this. Got me? And so it was that he was, uh, re- it was revealed to him by God what he was supposed to do. And he followed through on it. And he said, boy, this is a wonderful way to live. In fact, this is so good. I wish everybody could do this. And that's why he prayed that prayer. Because it had been such a benefit in his life. So the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Not secondhand knowledge. Not uh, what the buzz, the, the new teaching that's going through uh, the body of Christ. You, you don't want to live off new teachings and spin things. You want to live this way. Wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What's he done for you lately? Man, what have you done for him lately? He says, for this reason, the eyes, he said, and when you have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, some benefits will ensue from that. And he said, the reason I want you to have this gift is because the eyes of your understanding will no longer be darkened. Hmm? Amen. In the sin and in the world and even in, in, in salvation without these impartations and endowments in your life, your understanding's darkened. You don't know what you're talking about a lot of times. We just talk. You know, we repeat the last, you know, uh, semi wise sounding thing that we heard. The Christian jargon and buzz phrases and, you know, I could probably recite them all from the past 20 years. What's gone through the body of Christ. You know now now in the computer age God's downloading stuff. He downloaded something. We almost like that kind of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? I don't know what that means. I do know about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because I pray for that to be imparted to me. And to you. And I don't understand God downloading stuff to people. And I don't want to understand it. Because 10 years from now they won't be even using that phrase anymore. But forever this word will stand. And I'll know what the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him is. And so he says for this reason that you, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened to know what is the hope of your calling. Or what is the hope of his calling you unto himself. And to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. There's stuff waiting on us. There's stuff already inside of us. So through the spirit of wisdom and revelation you understand the hope of your calling or the hope of his calling you. What's, what can you expect? That's the hope. What can I reasonably expect from God? What can I expect him to do in my life? What can I expect to have to do uh, to respond to him? What, what is this calling all about? And so it's through that spirit that you understand it because the eyes of your understanding get enlightened to know. You're no longer in darkness anymore you're not trying to chase down a prophet or a prophecy to find out because you're anxious you know what people do 
that I think is because they're impatient and they're anxious and, and God's already got them uh, got them understanding that it won't be a, a you're not going to blow up tomorrow like you know whoever is blown up you know how people do that stuff and this is going to be a work because <laughs> it's going to be normal living in God this ain't going to be blowing up and showing up and fizzling out this will be something eternal that will last and so when you're not looking for a shortcut and you're not looking then this spirit will work in you to give you understanding of what you're called to do you'll be content in it you'll be satisfied in it you know you may have your your times of doubt where you think well maybe you know I don't know it doesn't seem like I'm doing much or you know ministry hasn't changed in umpteen years and you know, maybe I need to do something else but but you'll always come back to that because your eyes haven't been focused God hasn't revealed anything different for you to do you know I mean it's just a matter of being consistently doing what God's called you to do people would uh, I know brother Hagen after he started the Rama uh, Rama Bible school there were people who would go there over the years that were students and you'd hear some of them preach sometime and um, one of the persons uh, I heard preach I would listen to their ministry uh, over the years and, and uh, they were saying uh, well you know I, I'd, I'd be uh, preaching and I'd be going having good meetings and be on the road and then uh, people would say well it's time for camp meeting let's all go back to Rama." you know these were his graduates and uh, she said you know sometimes I think to myself oh man I don't want to burn Hayes telling them same old stories all the time over and over again his son even got sick of them uh, Ken Jr. asked his father one time they, they were driving home from from a service that he had done and he said daddy daddy is you just telling stories are you telling the truth when you tell them stories is it them real stories are you are you making that up or are you telling the truth so everybody knew about his stories and so she said that on the way to the meeting the holy spirit spoke to her and said he said if i could just get the people that he's taught to be as faithful over the message that i've given him he said yeah the stories are the same over and over because I want people to get that message and I don't want him running off with something else and leaving that message untaught. And so there's a, a purpose to our calling that, that we would know something about the stability of God. You don't want a God who's who's faddish and running off with something new or he's bored with this today and he's got you doing something else tomorrow uh, that doesn't work well either. You want to know that you doing what God's called you to do and to be stable in it and so a lot of times the work that we're called to do in God you know if you don't get a fresh uh, spin in your spirit or a fresh understanding of what you're doing that's up to you to make it fresh you know by by refreshing yourself in the presence of the Lord and asking God what you can do God you give me the same thing to do what can I do to make it better what can I do to refine it perfect it more get it in the hands of more people if that's what you want what can I do with what you have given me because I'm feeling like I shouldn't be doing this or I feel bored or I feel you know (laughs) long-term relationships are like that sometimes (laughs) you feel a whole lot different after 20 years than you did at five trust me Uh, trust me not in a bad way all the time either but you know you 
takes a little work, takes a little commitment, takes a little putting your shoulder to the wheel, you know, focusing your eyes straight ahead. Don't look to the left or to the right. Trying to find somebody new. Wow. My best jokes are not working here. Can I get a water from somebody <laughs> somewhere around here? But uh, no, that's okay. We got somebody to do it. Thanks. Yeah. So anyway, when you when you understand uh, what God is calling you to, that you're you're called uh, by name to to Him unto Himself. That's the most important thing you need to understand. You're not called to salvation. You're not called to the ministry. You're not called to be anything. But you're called to Him. And whatever else flows out of your life has to come through that one-on-one relationship with him. That he would impart the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That you get to know him and the hope of your calling. So once you get to understand who God is and you get to understanding that aspect. Then you can move on to other things. But you still have to keep centered in that relationship. That one-on-one relationship. And I think what what happens that's not good sometimes is that we veer away from that focus on him. That you get to understand him. And him alone. And then we run off with doing other things that may have some spiritual impact. But they're more tickling our flesh and our our ears than they are uh, really impacting our spirit the way we need it to. So we're to know the hope of our calling. We're to know specifically what God wants us to do with our lives. He has a plan for our lives. We all say that. We all know that. But I think sometimes we don't. uh, It's not uh, in the forefront of our existence you know people are sometimes afraid to put God first uh, afraid to what he's going to require of them afraid what it's going to mean for uh, other relationships in their lives people are afraid of oh gosh I've spent all this time in school and gotten all these degrees if if you don't call me to do something that pertains to this I've wasted all this time you know there's there's a cost to, to count uh, risk to be Uh, undertaken and understood but once you realize what God's done for you see you won't get this until you get understanding knowledge wisdom and revelation you got to get it directly from him once you get an inkling of that aspect of it the rest of this other stuff you've done is is like Paul said it's it's dung you know just to flush it down the toilet because it's not good for you anymore so the first thing he's called us to is a new identity in John 1 12 he tells us this he says <clears throat> talking about Jesus he says the, he, he was uh, in the world and the world was made by him but the world didn't know him it's interesting he was in the world that means he was present among people he had made everything that was here but yet what he had created didn't know him this is what darkness dark understanding will do to you so he had to be revealed to people in other words he says he came to his own he's talking about the Jewish people he was their promised Messiah 
And his own received him not. In other words his own rejected him. The, the masses of the Jewish people rejected Jesus. Certainly the, the rulers and the, the governors of the synagogues and so forth. The religious leaders did not receive him. But it says here but to those who did receive him he gave them something. Yeah. See, there's always a reward for receiving God. Don't care what what you get from God. There's it, there's a payoff for you. If you get an understanding of how to pray effectively, there's a payoff for you. You get a revelation on on you know how long you have to confess something before the pain leaves. There's a payoff for you. You got me? There's there's things that when you receive from God, there's always a payoff and a benefit for you. There's this is no idle uh, relationship. There's no idle revelation. There's no wasted knowledge in God. It's, he said, but when they, those who received him, as many as received, this went to everybody. There was no little I, big you, and no more important people than others. He gave them power. Well, this is interesting. You mean I've been kicked around all my life, and I've been treated bad all my life, and now he comes to me and gives me power? Hmm? And he gave them power to become sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. They were born of the word of God. So after you're born again. You're born of the word of God. And that in itself empowers you to be his son. That empowers you to obey the word. There's no such thing as you, you something's you know tempting you and you just can't do right. That's a lie. You have power to be God's son. It's not just something He tells you to do and He doesn't empower you to do it. He empowers you to obey the Word. Day one. This isn't something that's for mature saints. I don't know what that is. I think there's obedient people. There's disobedient people. There are people who readily receive what God has and are glad for it and operate in it. And I think there are people who just look around to see how long they can put off being obedient. Got me? It's just true. It's true. I was thinking about the some of the great revivals that the church has had over the years. And the the ministries that were born out of the Azusa Street revivals, phenomenal. It's phenomenal what those people did. They they went there because they heard that God was pouring out His Spirit in a new way, and they were hungry for God's power and hungry to obey God and hungry to to be used by God. And they went out and they got what they hungered for. They didn't have to, uh, you know, buy uh, six volumes of somebody's tapes that, you know, they ramble on and on with. They, they got out there and they stayed until God released them. And when they were released, they were released with power. Same thing in the book of Acts. Those people were empowered by God and went forth doing. How'd they go, how'd they do that and we sit for months and years and can't figure out, you know, if, if we're supposed to preach the gospel and I don't, I think I'm an apostle, I think I'm a pro, yeah, I'm a, mm-hmm. It's because they, they were called to Him. 
They weren't called to a a meeting. They weren't called to a revival. They weren't called to a happening. They weren't called to the, you know, Toronto blessing or the this experience or the Orlando magic or the the Disney World, uh, you know, Cinderella movement. They were called unto him and they responded to him. And wherever him sent them, they went and got him when they got there. And what was, what was not of him they did not receive. It's just true. And so those people received everything that they needed. Including being dispatched to the different countries where they went. Many of those people went and developed ministry among people in South Africa. And places where the gospel had never been heard before they went. People like Brother Summerall uh, some years later wound up in the Philippines. And revolutionized that place. He didn't have a first hand Azusa uh, experience. But he did have a Pentecostal experience. And so these things are real. When you latch on to God. You know he's called you. You stay with him. You get your revelation from him. And you're obedient to what he's called you to. So the first thing he calls us to is family. To be sons of God. So he calls us to a new identity. He changes who you are. The Bible says when you're in Christ. You are a totally new species. Nobody like you has ever lived before. Little God people running around. If we could ever get an understanding of what that really means. You know, not not some kind of carnal, fleshy understanding, but a real understanding of what it means to be a son or a daughter of God, what it means to be an heir. What it means to have that kind of responsibility in the earth. It's not just, you know, titles, accolades, and that kind of stuff, but there's work and responsibility that goes along with being a son. You see that in the story, classic story we have is the prodigal. There are two sons there. And one of them accepts the work, the responsibility. He's a good boy. He needs a little work too. Don't get me wrong. Because you accept the responsibility. It doesn't mean you don't have inner workings. Any inner troubles that God needs to straighten out. But he can get them straightened out. Not a big deal to God. And whatever it is that's a stumbling block. To your being able to be peacefully uh, empowered by God. And do the will of God. God will help you to overcome that. You know, that's not something God's after you about or that's troubling him about you. He knows exactly how he's going to deal with that. He'll he'll get that out of the way so his power can flow better through you and flow better in you. But he has called us all to this sonship and with sonship comes responsibility. You have the responsibility of a son. So in the two sons, the younger son didn't want anything but the goods. You know, he wanted the inheritance, the benefits, and he wanted to enjoy them outside of the father's presence. See, this is bad manners is what it is. And so you don't take what belongs to what somebody graciously gives you and then run off in the flesh with it to squander it. This This happens more than we think. In fact, it happens more than the other stuff happens. You know, you, you watch people of God who are given 
uh, great great names so that anytime their name is mentioned uh, cash registers ring up they sell millions of books they sell millions of tapes they can fill large auditoriums but to whom much is given much is required you know um, noble rank imposes responsibility you know even people in the world understand that kind of understanding and so you're called to be people of high level integrity when you have high level fruit or high level uh, inheritance coming in from God and so God will remove that from people if they're not allowing him in the process of their acquiring uh, the things in a material fashion that he's promised them if they are not allowing God to remove uh, attitudes that would hinder that from, from, from there being a good report you know in the final analysis you want a good report about your ministry you go home to be with the Lord you want there to be fruit there that remains not stuff that internal revenue comes and collects or you know you know people that sue you for sexual improprieties they come and collect it you want to have fruit that remains it's got a good reputation on it and see God doesn't mind blessing people with with provision and, and wealth and all those kinds of things but there's a stipulation there the Bible says you'll get all kinds of good stuff from him but with persecution see and that persecution comes to keep you humble and close to God you know, there's no other reason for it and so when we understand that we are to do all of these things under God's direction and not apart from him then that parable about the two sons makes perfect sense why would a kid want what his father has worked hard for but yeah it belongs to him he's going to bless him with it in due season but why would he want to take it in advance and go squander it because his character isn't at the level where he would where would take him to the places where God wants that money to take him see I, I feel for people who who feel that they can justify uh, spending it and just because somebody says you're supposed to have it or you take a poll of several people and they say you know uh, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker got into this dif- difficulty uh, when when they would talk about why they had so much money why they had such a huge house why did the dog house have air conditioning why did all these why 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 and their answer was well our board members told us we deserved it when it says here God has called you when God calls you and you respond to God you'll do appropriate things with the resources that he gives you you got me whether they're small or big they're appropriate at all times and they don't get you into trouble you don't forget who you are like David when he got to be king he decided he wanted another man's wife and so forth and so on and when God would rebuke them he would always remind them when you were small in your own eyes didn't I raise you up didn't I give you everything that you have huh and so you have to remember that these things still have to be under God's control or they will be a noose around your neck they will be trouble for you and they will be a snare for you because there are people out there who want money the saints aren't the only ones who want your money there's people in the world that want it too and so if you are not wise enough and your eyes are not enlightened enough 
to know to stay in the calling of God and what that entails. You got me? Stay in the calling of God and what that entails. I was thinking, you know, sometimes people have too much free time. You know, ministers used to go to bed early on Saturday night and prepare for Sunday morning. You know, now they in their own jets, jetting around in different places, not accountable to anybody. You know, and in one day they'll beg for the old days to come back again. When all they knew was being on their knees before God, trying to get a message to feed his people with. You know, that's that's not something to turn your nose up at. That's something to consider a place of honor uh, that God wants to use you that way. And so we are called to a new identity. We are called sons of God. And as sons of God we are called to be imitators of God. Got me? This is a, uh, he has given us a new name. Just as he gave Abram the name Abraham. After he came into covenant with him. Our new name is a covenant name. Amen. It's a name that stipulates that we belong to God. When God calls you, when you get up every morning, you respond to the Spirit of God and that kind of thing. Uh, you do it in covenant. You do it because you're in covenant with God now. You know, it's it's really hard for me anymore to to be awake for more than five minutes or so without acknowledging God. You know, even if I went to sleep and left the dumb television on or something, you know, and and you you acknowledge God because He's the one that has called you. You know, respond to that call every morning. So there's a morning call where He wakes you up. You know, you didn't get up because the clock went off. You got up because God gave you life and breath. Amen. That alarm may have, may have been there to, so that you didn't oversleep because he gave you sweet sleep. But he gets you up. The, the life of God has to get up in you before you can, can get up. Sometimes you might have to call on him to get you up. Oh God. It's hard this morning. It, you know, I want to. Oh, I could roll over and get a few more. You know that kind of thing. So he helps you in your infirmity and your weakness. Amen. He helps you get up and get it rolling. And so it's it's good to to understand that about uh, your calling in God. Your call to Him by Him. Your call to a new identity. Your new identity is in Christ. That you have a a new life that is hid in Christ. Your life is hidden from a lot of places. Because there's a lot of folks that might like to see you again that knew you in the world. You got me? So you're 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 in the witness protection program. You can't be found by those people. Got me? He, he erases, you know, your your identity from their minds. Some people will, you know, it's, uh, you know, I had a, a friend that I ran into. She, you know, she had, I'd seen her, you know, since I moved back to Ohio, and uh, she was saying, "Oh, I, I knew I heard you had moved to Detroit. How long ago was that?" I said, it's "Been 15 years ago, you know." And and the Lord showed me. He said, "I can erase your your mind, your name from people's minds. You know, they don't even think about you." And so she wondered where I'd been all that time, and I said. You know, I've been hid in Christ. You know, <laughs> you want to tell people that, but you can't tell them that. You know, I've been hiding. 
Hiding out. (laughs) Not of my own volition. God hid me for his purposes. But isn't that amazing though. To think how much he loves and, and protects us and treasures us and values us. That he would hide us in Christ. So that the devil can't find your life. The doctors can't take your life. Nobody can take your life. He hides us in Christ. And anybody else you want to pull in there with you. You know that you have faith to drag up in there with you. You know you. I don't know. Well this is Amy and this is. This is bruh bruh Man man. You know you know them Jesus. Come on in here y'all. You know. <laughs> he allows you to hide them with your faith and your prayers. Got me? So that. Their lives can stay on track the way God wants. They can fulfill their call. They can respond to the call as well. And so we are called uh, by a new name. We're called where our names have been changed. We have a covenant name in Christ now. And so he he knows us. Our names now have a different ring than they had uh, before we knew the Lord. They have a different sound to them. When your, your name is called by God there's a dignity there. There's a love there that's that's drawing you toward him at all times. So uh, these callings never leave our lives. The gifts and the calling of God the Bible says are without repentance. God doesn't look at you and say "Mm, I sure am sorry I called. No he doesn't do that. I don't care how bad you get how rough you get how ugly you act how many saints you cuss out. All that kind of stuff. He never ceases his good plan for your life. He will always call you his child. His beloved. His son. His daughter. He will always do that. So this calling will never leave your lives. Never. Ever. Ever. Now you can get mad at God and say I'm not going to do that. I thought I was called to do that but I ain't doing that now. That will last for a little bit but pretty soon you know with, with loving kindness and tender mercies he's able to woo us back. You know you can't live without him. You just can't. So when we understand that that we are called to, to dwell within him and, and we are called to that life in God. We're called to a new identity. A real new identity identity it's just not a name we're not just we don't just call ourselves Christians and it not mean anything there's there's something that's going to follow that up there's going to be a change in us there's going to be a a new glory to come into our lives a new way to touch things and all of that will have a new impact on the people around us and many times we'll notice that you know I, I was saved and my husband didn't know the Lord and so there was a change in me that rubbed him the wrong way for the most part. You know, he couldn't get with it. And, well, I don't see why you changed. And, you know, all this, I won't say, I do. I was dying where I was. Didn't you notice? Come on now. Once you get God's help out of a hole, you don't go back in there too quick. I know I don't. 
You know, you, you know, it's like a, a people that have once drowned sometimes afraid of water. That's me and sin and bad people. You got me? No, I'm really scared of that stuff. I don't go near it. I don't touch it because I know what, what allure and how it will pull you back in there. And so God gives us that new identity. He gives us a new name. We are in covenant with him. That means we have more than a contract to fulfill. We have a life to fulfill in him. So this is not just doing certain things uh, to please God or stop doing certain things that you know God didn't approve of. Uh, This means a new life totally. A a life in Christ. So if, if, if God has has called you then your name is called throughout eternity Uh, the apostle Paul spoke about what he was called to in Romans 1 1 says I Paul called an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ he was called an apostle and he didn't get called that because a group of people told him that he got that by revelation of God God told him that that's the best person to have call you something because once his stamp is on that it never goes away Romans 1 1 Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God so when you're called by God you're separated for a specific work there is work involved in this call I don't care what level your work is on whether you're an apostle you're called to be saints he would always address the congregations that way called to be saints that means you're called to be separated out from the world to the purpose of God and this was something new for the average believer because under the old covenant it was the prophet the priest and the king that were separated unto the holy work of God but here sons and daughters now are called they're called to declare the word of God to prophesy etc etc so here we have the average believer now called and empowered to be sons of God you're empowered now to sonship you're empowered to sonship sonship always includes servanthood don't get it twisted if you're not called to serve what are you called to do sit on a throne somewhere or have people cater to you who's going to cater to you somebody's got to serve down here so and Jesus was a servant he served everybody we're to follow him he said follow me do what I do we're called to serve humanity with the power of God not with our own stuff but we've been equipped to make a, a supernatural impact on the world And we do that with ease, with the grace of God, through the power of God. It's not hard. Jesus showed us how easy it was. The woman with the issue of blood just came up and touched him. And he said, virtue went out of me. So whenever you you serve under the power of God, that power just flows out of you. It's not something you got to work up. It's not something you got to pray up. Something you got to fast up. It's something that's imparted to you because you meet God's requirements as a servant 
that's all there is to it. Is to do what God tells you to do. These these things are very very easy because He's empowered us to do them. In Galatians one and verse six, we are called to a new estate. Hmm? We're called to a different state of working for God. One six it says, I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ. You're called unto the grace of Christ and not to works of the flesh. There are works that follow grace. Don't get it twisted. And in work you will. I've seen people do 15 times as much work under the grace of God than they do under their own. You, you, you'll never accomplish what God would have you do any other way than by his grace. You know people uh, uh, want to believe that you know it's somehow they, they, it's something they do or they do correctly. But even that you do through faith and you know it's just believing God and, and opening your eyes to what he has for you. So there's, there's little human effort involved here. You know, just submitting yourself to God. Uh, there are choices that you have to make. I would say that's the most difficult thing for most people is if you have the choice to read your Bible or, or, you know, play one, one more game on the computer. You know, that kind of stuff. What do you do? You know, that kind of thing. There's always going to be something to come up there to want to take its place. And so you have to make the decision. You have to make the right choice. But it's once the choice is made, then the grace of God comes upon you to accomplish that thing. You ever notice it's hard when you first pick up your Bible, number one, it's hard. It looks at you for a while, you look at it. Uh, uh, I'll read you. I'm going to get to you in a minute, but first I got to do. Or, or, well, now people have, uh, you know, Bibles on their phones but they don't you know I haven't found it to be nearly as productive you know because then you go back over that little game again oh. <laughs> or you got to check an email email real fast so it's not like you seclude yourself and spend that time in the word you know like we used to do but you know it's, so anyway it's just a challenge sometimes but you notice once you pick that up and start reading it you read about a couple of chapters or maybe even like half a chapter pretty soon you're caught well that grace has come upon you to finish what God wanted you to get in there for to find out about you so you step into it and then it carries you the rest of the way now, most people tell you you have to fight your flesh for a little bit but once you make that decision and cut that thing off and move with it it's there to carry you into that that fulfillment of what God has for you if we had to do this working in our own flesh, man, it'd be tough. It never would get done. And so we're, we're definitely called, uh, to, to a new estate. And that is grace and not works. That's our domain. That's our inheritance. So that estate is what we are, are, are gaining from God. That's our inheritance in God. And we are called to redemption through His blood. Colossians 1.27. We are called to be purchased out of the power of darkness and translated. 
translated. We are a new language. Hmm? We are translated. That means you're the same person in the same body in the same every but you speak a new language. Man, you are a new language. You're a new person with a new language because you are a citizen of a new country. You speak heaven's language. You speak the word. When difficulty comes, you speak in the Holy Ghost. You know, you speak tongues. And so you are translated. You are, you know, I think about that. Remember on Star Trek when they would appear and disappear? They'd come in a little bitty, a little fuzzy thing and then, they were translated. Trans, whatever. <laughs> Transported, translated. But we can be in the throne room and then be out, you know, with people again and be in the throne room with people. Whatever. But anyway, that's one way to look at it. I don't know. But we are new creatures. We, we, transport from one to another Uh, sometimes you're more in God than you are at other times you know you can get into worship and uh, personal worship sometimes worship in the congregation in the sanctuary all of these things uh, you are in heaven and, and come back and forth to earth I can tell you it's true because look at the people who don't that are earthbound all the time. They think you're crazy. You know there's some churches if you go in and, and worship and dance around that somebody rolls their eyes at you. You know it, it takes no time for the freedom of worship to leave a place. No time. And pretty soon people are looking at you funny and you know you make them eyeballs sit you down. People's eyeballs is heavy. You ever hear somebody's really good at it? You know, got a little craft behind them. Them eyeballs will pick you up out the chair, carry you over to the door, throw you out. They did all that with eyeballs. <laughs> it's true. Some of the biggest ones you find in churches. You got me? Because they're experts at controlling people so that the the liberty of Christ is is compromised. You know, you have to really fight sometimes. If they get a couple of more weak people on their side, you're done for. You got to get up and go somewhere where you can have freedom to worship. Can't stay in a place like that. They'll kill you in there. That's what that's for. They killed Jesus. They killed your brother. They kill you, huh? And so you have to you have to understand these things when you 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 your calling. That's part of your calling. You're called. You're redeemed through His blood, out of the power of darkness, over into another power. Though you're not just bought back for you. You're bought over into His power, so that you can live for Him. You can have freedom and liberty in Christ to live for Christ not to live for you forget you he'll take care of you but he wants somebody to live for him for a change he'll take care of you he wants somebody to live for him you know it's very much like a marriage (laughs) you you felt that didn't you G Uh, you took care of her didn't you uh huh. All you wanted was her to do a few things for you. 
That's right. That's right. Amen. And so that's that's what God requires of us. He wants a representative down here. He wants somebody to look good for him. To represent him in a specific way. You know, there's sometimes you might fight some of the things that God is doing. But if he blesses you, he blesses you for a purpose. You know, you have a testimony to share with people. That he'll bless them too. Don't get stupid and think it's something special you did. Because it's not. You know, it's something he had an inheritance he had laid up for you and you pleased him in some way he released it to you did exceeding and abundantly what you were asking for praise God thank God he didn't give you what you you asked for after you started out big and whittled it down to like there he stopped you right in the middle say wait a minute shut up let me give this to you before you take it all away from yourself Mm -hmm. he does it for a reason does it so that we can be a, a a fitting bride for him? You got me. And I'm not talking about just externals. He he takes care of the internals, and I think he does more internal than external. Because when the insides adjusted properly, then the ref, the reflection will come on the outside. See, our outer, our external is only a reflection of what's inside, of the change that he's made on the inside of us. And so when he's done the proper inside job, then there will be a reflection on the outside. You know, the Bible talks about, uh, you know, what putting adornments on people of of low character you know it's like you know a a ring in a pig snout or a a pearl in a pig snout those kinds of uh, comparisons because we really really don't want to to make God look bad you know so that he does a lot of internal workings in us to help us conform to his image and he is a spirit he is not a brother running around here you know with a bunch of gold chains around his neck that kind of thing he's a spirit and so he wants the transformation will come to us on the inside it'll be a spiritual adornment first and then there's an outer reflection of earthly inheritance that comes with it so God wants us to uh, uh, be uh, set apart to him we're also called to be a dwelling place for God a habitation for him he says sacrifice and offering I would have none so when that's done away with he says a body he has prepared for me so we are the body of Christ prepared for the Lord we are prepared for him that means nobody else fits us like God does like Jesus does we are prepared for him and when he is working in our lives then he helps us to fit better with people but it won't happen the other way around uh, it won't happen by putting people first and being uh, you know conforming to them and and then trying to work God in last you have to let God have this and, and have his way with us but we are called to be a dwelling place for him and, and we need to know that we are the church. The building is not the church. The, the building is a place where, where we're called to gather together. And God doesn't really care about the building. 
Now, I know people, there are people who say, well, God told me to do this. That's wonderful. But I'm telling you, he can visit in Asia. He'll visit people in a dark house basement somewhere because they can't turn on any lights much because they'll be murdered for their faith. In Africa, he's out in the open somewhere. And sometimes they'll have some trees uh, to shelter the people from the, the, the uh, hot sun and all that kind of stuff. Or he'll be in a hut somewhere in some places so if he cares about all of that he would have the same kind of building everywhere he is with people he doesn't have to have all of these difficulties and changes and so when God is with us then God is able to to uh, dwell with us and he doesn't care about the physical trappings and the outside things so God has called us to be his people we are the church a building is a building, but God is God. Amen. And he looks for a people in which he can dwell. Amen. He had the temple built that was under the old covenant. He looks for a people first. And then the people will select a place where they want to gather and meet with God. But he's flexible. He says, wherever two or three of you are gathered in my name. He said, I'm there with you. And he said it so that we would not be bound by that old law that said that we had to meet in a specific place or design the temple. There was a purpose for that but that was done away with. In that temple the the veil was split from the top to the bottom. The Holy Spirit was finally released to dwell in the hearts of man where God wanted to be all along. So that's done away with. That's why it's easy now to to do a work for God. All you have to do is go and share with somebody what God's done for you. And you begin to increase the church. You build the church. You build the part God is interested in. He's not so interested in physical surroundings. But he is interested in people. He wants to dwell in people. So he has finally gotten to the place now where he can dwell in the hearts of people. And he's quite satisfied. In Europe, people worship in cathedrals, very elaborate buildings. In some places where there's a lot of poverty, it's an outside place, just believers getting together. Some places have elaborate sound systems and instruments. Other places just have people's hands clapping. But God is no respecter of persons. He's just as happy to dwell with people uh, who are outside clapping hands as he is for the, the big you know, pipe organ type situations you know he likes them all as long as he can get into the hearts of uh, people so when we acknowledge God's life in us we'll be able to get a piece about what he's doing with us and understand that having God's life in us is the most important thing that can happen for us it's the most important thing so whenever his life is is in us and dwells in us that is the most important thing uh, that we need to understand about God so we can enter into the realm of God's glory by his eternal life that is in us there is no end to God's provision once we enter into the realm of his eternal glory there's no lack there but we have satisfied his heart's desire when we receive him. When we have received God, then we satisfy his heart's desire. And when you allow God to lead you, to feed you, 
to have the fullness, the hope of his calling worked out through you. And these are all part of his calling. You notice I haven't said anything yet about ministry. <laughs> Amen. Because it, it it just flows out of this this relationship that we have with him. This life that we have with him. Until God reassures you uh, that he's with you in power, you can't function to help people. You, you can't. Other than that, you're just somebody going around passing out tracks or whatever until you really understand through relationship with God what what he wants you to do and how that he's going to be with you to help you with that you won't carry it out you'll think you're on your own because we've all been there can you close that door for me Shannon that one right there right there thank you you'll think you're on your own you'll think that you you know you when fear hits you you think, well, what am I going to do? I'm afraid to approach people. And what if they say no and all of that? If you don't have relationship with God and know personally that he is with you. And that he is something he wants you to do. He wants you to reach people for him. He wants you to share Christ with these people. He wants all of these things until you're enlightened to know that. See? That's what wisdom and revelation really gives you. Is that kind of an assurance. That he is there with you. He is there for you. And he will never leave you and never forsake you. He's not going to drop you. You're not going to get out there and, and run into something you can't handle. Because it's, it's over your head. If he's with you it's never over your head. And, but he has to let you know that. That's something you have to get directly from God. You have to get that reassurance from him. But we have fulfilled his heart's desire when we receive him. Because he's rejected by so many. If you think about it, think of the wealth of inheritance there is for those who do receive him. See, There's a great wealth there. Because there's so many people that don't receive the Lord. Then you know some of them. You'll talk to them about God. You'll tell them all these great and wonderful things. And they act like it doesn't even matter to them. They're off on something else. So this has always been his desire to dwell with us. In Second Thessalonians 2.14 the vehicle by which we were called is the gospel. We are called by the gospel. We are called by the good news. So until this invitation is given to a person they cannot receive him. And that invitation is locked up in the church. Church is the only one that can build itself. And you want people to receive Christ. Not just you know membership in a fellowship or something like that. You want them to receive Christ. It's very important. That uh, invitation is extended by his body. So we must first hear what God's word says and then enter into covenant life with him. You can't enter into covenant life without having that extended to you. God knows who needs to hear what when. He is the head of the church. He is the one who sends people out. Who allows them to extend that invitation. And he allows others to receive. It's something that has to be received. It cannot be assumed that people receive it. Something they have to know personally. That they have had from God. 
So we keep extending this hand to people don't we. We'll tell them about Jesus as healer. We'll tell them about Jesus as savior. As deliverer. As the one who can open doors for us. You know if you are being treated at a job. And you know you can know whether to go or stay. Based upon what God's word says. So they can get guidance. And they can get leading from God. They can have all kinds of benefits extended to them. Through the words that we preach. And so we, we must understand that the church is called to do that and extend that invitation to the world. So once they're born again, the invitation doesn't stop there. You'll find that their people are born again that, that are not enlightened. You know, they need to be enlightened. Sometimes you get in a conversation with someone, you'll find out there's something that God's revealed to you that you can share with them. So that's how that spirit gets imparted to people. They can have that revealed to them as well. I remember when we were uh, first starting the ministry and God called us to to uh, for the people to walk in divine health and he said that's two things that you're going to have to do is protect people's finances and their health and you know of course your your life with your health but he said those are two things that if the enemy could get to a person easily those are the two avenues that he uses and so he gave us a simple plan to ensure that people would be healthy and that they they would be uh, financially solvent and so these are things that, that you have to understand can be extended to others when other people hear that they can be healed then they'll gravitate toward that that's something that that where they can be enlightened further they don't have to be sick they don't have to suffer they can can receive what God has for them and second Timothy 1 we're called to a holy calling Man, not shenanigans, not halfway stuff. You know, nothing bugs me more than, you know, Christians that, that just forget that. You know, they let it slip. You know, you hear something, you get casual about one thing or another. And, you know, two casuals make three casuals. And then pretty soon you're not walking in a holy fashion anymore. No, you're walking just like normal unsaved people uh, in the earth. So, Second Timothy, what did I say? One night, one nine. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Talking about the Lord. Not according to our works. When you stay holy you, you walk in him. You stay close to him. But according to his own purpose. You, know, not, you can't be a holy person living for you. I think that's where people goof it up. You know, you can't do it with yourself on the throne all the time and thinking about what's good for you and what you want to do and you want this and you want that. That's not holy. That's pretty profane. It's what you did before you met the Lord. And so when you're called to a holy calling, you're separated out unto him. You're mindful that you belong to God at all times. You're mindful that he has something he wants you to be about on a daily basis. You're mindful of these things things and so holiness will cause you to be mindful of God mindful of his word and receptive to his leading 
You can't do this without the person of God. You know, you, you just can't strike out on your own and be a holy person. You can stay away from some things, but the devil will quickly get you ensnared into something else because you're trying to do these things in your own strength. Now, I, granted, the Bible says that that has some wisdom if you worship by your will, but we worship by the Spirit, okay? We, we have a higher calling than that. We worship God through the Spirit and we live by the spirit how much time do we have left miss Juana? we don't have okay so we are called to a holy calling and we can never deviate from this call we our life should reflect a purity of heart that means no ulterior motives on people you know no uh, sizing people up to see uh, what they can do for us you know how they'll fit into our plan but a purity of heart means that you want to reflect God's love to that person you don't want to damage them in any any way you want to treat them the way you would have them be treated and also the way God would have you treat people you know God sometimes will have you go uh, the extra mile for people if they need it go to extraordinary lengths uh, so that people can receive what God has for them I remember uh, as a newer Christian I, I you know my my quest was to get people to the meeting you know I was the one who always would <clears throat> pick people up and take them and I never got tired of it you know I just it just was something that I did it for God I wasn't doing it for me and sometimes the people wanted to come and so <laughs> sometimes they did they give you a bunch of stories and all of that you know there's there's some some risk involved there but in God when you're graced by God to do it you stay in the flow of that grace you can continue that job until God tells you to that you're done with it you know people didn't want to come you know I wasn't angry with them or upset with them you know it it made me wonder why you know they didn't want the things of God but you know that's not my business either you know I was somebody who was called of God to make sure that they got there and so purity of heart will cause you just to want to serve see that's what I mean when I say servant somebody who doesn't grumble somebody who doesn't complain somebody who who can find the grace to be able to carry out the will of God if the grace is not there then you probably need to pray and ask God to if that's what you're supposed to do or something you got to go back again but you can't struggle in the flesh with people over things like this you know can't get in a fight with somebody you know you better come to church you gonna go to hell you know that kind of stuff (laughs) he may want to say it (laughs) and eventually it might come to that but you you understand what i'm saying people that you know people say people want to come to church that's the way i look at it if they don't want to come something ain't right somewhere so you know you just have to really pray for people i think you have to be a person committed to prayer as well you can't just get up and go do things go pick people up and not have your heart prepared so that God can can help you to carry these things through I don't care what it is that you do for God it's going to take some grace to do it I don't care if you mop a floor sweep a floor uh, the grace is there to do these things if, if you'll do them as unto the Lord and know that these are things that need to be done uh, because God has put it on your heart to do them so a holy calling starts with that purity of heart and then a pure mind will follow a pure heart craves the word of God 
and your heart craves it so that your mind can minister it to the rest of your body. Your mind can minister the word of God and the grace of God to all of your members. That's what happens when you're healed. Your heart picks up that pure word. Oh thank you Jesus by your stripes I am healed. But if you don't take that word with you when you go away from that situation you're right back in the natural again. So a pure heart craves that word to stay with you and the way it stays is that your mind has to be renewed to it. Your your heart will will pick up many things and once it's grafted in then it's able to transfer it back and forth to your soul. And your soul is what will make the decision as to whether you're healed or not. Because your soul will begin to tell your body. There's nothing wrong with you. You know, we ain't going to no doctor today. There's nothing wrong with you. Amen. And so there's no need to go because you're healed. You got me? There's nothing wrong with you. You're redeemed from the curse of sickness. And that can happen in, in a matter of a few minutes. Sometimes I'll I'll get up in the morning and not feel so wonderful. And if I don't grab the word, if I start dwelling on symptoms and how I feel and all that, I'll lie there and convince myself that I'm beyond God's ability to help me. And I just got finished praising God and thanking him for getting me this and getting me that. But that can, can snap away from you because your heart's not pure. So your heart's got something in there that's telling it that this is valid. And it's, a, and it's allowing your mind to reverse the process of, of engrafting. And so what you do is you stop that nonsense. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me grab me a scripture here. And if you'll stay with that and let that minister to you. How long? Long as you quit, long as it takes for you not to be crazy again, amen, and give your give your healing away, and so you can meditate on it until it does its job. You'll know when, because the pain leaves, the symptom stops, and you're not so concerned about you know whether you're going to live or you're going to die. This thing is not going to kill you, and you know that. And so when we when we understand that that holiness. And the purity of heart is to purify our total being so that we are saved. Spirit, soul, mind, and body. Nothing missing, no broken parts. You're not fragmented where you feel you love God in your heart but your mind can't accept it. Or you're, you keep trying to get your healing but you can't quite work it out. This, that's brokenness. You got me? So when you're in the, the salvation of God, totally spirit, soul, mind and body, there aren't these fragments and missing pieces like a shoulder over here and a leg over there and you're trying to put them together. Everything fits well and it fits in, in your whole person. And so and this is what Jesus would, would speak to people when they were healed. He said your faith has made you whole. Your faith put you together back the right way. So there's nothing missing and nothing broken on the inside of you. So your heart was pure in that you wanted me to help you. And your mind began to respond and get to me so that I could do the total work with the anointing. It pulls it all together. And so these are, are good things to understand that you're a call to a holy calling. Set apart 
for God. Set apart to be like God. Set apart to be used by God. Set apart to be translated over into his glory and his kingdom. And stay there. Amen. So that you don't wander off after other gods. And that kind of thing. So he's able to keep us with that holy calling. So our actions then will be actions that God approves of. So you won't have to ask WWJD. No. (laughs) What would Jesus do? He would follow the dictates of a pure heart. And a a restored mind. a, a, A mind that's converted. So he would walk in that new status. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you Jesus. And James 2.23 We are called friends of God. You are his friend. Just as he called Abraham friend. We have that inheritance. As, as, as those who are blessed with faithful Abraham. We are friends of God. And really what that means is that we're not after something different than what God's after anymore. See, the enmity or the strife or the uh, the uh, antagonism between us and God because we're translated into his kingdom now. We're born of his spirit now. We have everything that we need to qualify to stay on the good side of God. So we are friends of God never to be enemies again. So we're in an eternal friendship with God. I know sometimes people say well you know God told me I was going to do this and I was disappointed. You know he stopped being your friend. Well he still calls you friend. He still calls when he calls your name it's called in a friendly manner. It's not called and you know put you over in the corner and and give you a time out and and that kind of stuff. He, He always calls you in a friendly manner. You know, you can say that about God. He's not trying to rebuke you and, you know, tell you you're bad and all that kind of stuff. He calls you as a friend. Now, you may get some news that will correct you, but you're still his friend. You got me? You're called in that fashion so that you can respond and be open to hear what he has to say. No, if he if he called you as an enemy because you sinned or you messed up or something like that, he you know he doesn't do that. Care what you did, he still calls you as a friend. Now you might feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and rightfully so, because if you've offended someone who's given you everything, and they still love you, I mean, man, that makes you feel like that big. And so you come in a humble way repenting and so forth and so on to to get that right between you and God. Anytime you've been friends with somebody and there's a misunderstanding or there's an offense or there's a breach. You've got to come back and get that thing right. You don't take it for granted. Uh, that Oh you know God forgives everybody. You don't have to beat yourself up. No you won't have to do that I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Because God knows how to work out his covenant in you. You got me? And so you, you won't be able to rest until that, that peace is established between you and God again. But he always calls you friend because the enmity has been eternally removed not temporarily eternally it's eternally removed by the blood of his cross and all you have to do is line up with his word again and that friendship is reestablished sometimes God will find you 
brooding with with uh, you know regrets or misgivings that kind of stuff and he calls you again as friend calls you to himself it's the best place to be if you feel out of sorts about who you are best place to be is be in the presence of God because you are his friend amen the last one we're called to a high calling heavenly we're called to set our affections on things above and not earthly things not earthly things you can't have your affections there sometimes earthly things involve your reputation you know what people expect from you and all that's an earthly thing you're not even called to be mindful of that but you're called a high calling always keep your mind on things that are above where God is we're called his bride that's a high calling it's the highest calling of any human being to be the bride of Christ that God himself wants to be eternally committed to us and one with us that's a very high calling very high calling beyond that are the finer things that God's called us to our our specific work that we're called to sometimes it includes a title in an office sometimes it doesn't but I'm telling you once you understand all of this stuff that you're called to that other thing isn't quite as important you know this is the intimacy of God what we're called to share with him uh, on a day-to-day basis every day you can be a son or a daughter of God and enjoy that relationship every day you can can know the joy of your salvation in him every day you're called to glory and to holiness to be set apart for him to know what it means to be special to him uh, and, and not somebody who's fallen victim to the wiles of the devil you're protected from that so these things you can enjoy on an everyday basis amen because that's what he's called us all to alright why don't we stop father in heaven we thank you for your word for understanding for calling us to be obedient to our calling and we have a hope now that we know that we can focus on we know what you've called us to as believers as children of faith as sons and daughters of the most high God that this is our focus this relationship with you to partake of your goodness and your glory and we thank you for that Lord in Jesus name amen praise God somebody needs prayer you can come on up and I'll pray for